We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Father, just be with us tonight as we preach and teach your word. I pray, God, and we know that your word is truth. We know, God, that your word is life. And God, we just pray, God, tonight that, God, as we speak, as we minister, God, that we would be able to minister into every life that's here tonight. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, turn to someone around you. Look them square in the eye and say, I'm a hypocrite. Come on, keep looking at them and say, but God hasn't finished with me yet. Come on, God hasn't finished with me yet because I'm changing. God's changing me. I just really pray through this series that God is changing you. God will change anything that asks to be changed. God will change anything that's given to him. We can look and say, well, there's no way God can do it. Just like with Project Outreach, don't determine what God can do. Just give him your life and let him determine what he can do. And the last time I checked, there is nothing that he cannot do. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly and beyond. And by the way, if you haven't figured it out through the course of this series, when we're talking about I'm a hypocrite, that's not good, by the way. Just wanted you to know that. It's not a good thing. I don't want you to be proud of the fact, yeah, I'm a hypocrite, yeah. You know, it's not a good thing. It's definitely not good, and it's definitely not God. And we want to change because God has a great plan for our life. And our plan that God has for us is not for us to speak one thing and to live another thing. It's not for us to be one way on a Sunday and then another way throughout the week. God wants us constant. God wants us committed to that. And that's the definition we've been given of a hypocrite. Simple, but yet perhaps the best one. And that is saying one thing, but yet doing another. And we don't want to be like that. Because there is just too much going on right now and there has to be change. Because if there's not change, it's not only going to affect us, but it's going to affect other people around. We change for the benefit of our lives, but also too many people are hypocrites. Too much of that going on right now and we just want to change that. So I want to jump straight into the message tonight. If you've missed, shame on you. Look at your neighbor, look at someone around you. Say, have you missed? Shame on you. Shame on you, you big hypocrite. No, 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 just be nice to him. But make a commitment to be here. Here's why we want you to make a commitment to be here. Are you ready? Romans 10 verse 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice that faith comes, my relationship, my walk with God comes through me hearing what? Hearing the word of God, the preaching and the teaching of the ministry from the word is so important because as I hear that, my faith grows. I change. I love how the Message Bible says, it says, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to listen to. Isn't that cool? There's nothing to listen to. Well, I enjoy listening to this and I enjoy listening to that. That's great. But the Bible tells us that if we don't listen to the word of God, we really haven't listened to anything. And we need God's word inside of us. Church doesn't save us, but church helps keeping us saved. Come on. Come on. It's a relationship with God that saves us, saying yes to Christ. And I believe church needs to be one of the most important priorities of your life. Church needs to be one of the most important priorities of your life. Here's the order. You ready? It's God first. Your spouse second, your children third, then your church. So if you're not married, then it's God your church. 
Come on, that's the priorities. Well, what about my work? What about my job? What about my income? What about my education? Put God first and he'll take care of all of that. But when we put those things above God in Exodus, God doesn't say we can't have an education. God doesn't say we can't have nice things. God doesn't say we can't have hobbies. There's no issue with that. God allows us to have those things, but the issue comes when those things have us. When we put them before God, God has to be first. Then those things can follow after. So we're here to build his house. We're here to prioritize God's house. And as we do that, the promise is God will build ours. If your house isn't where it needs to be, then you prioritize the house of God and watch him begin to work. I've got to stop because when I start talking about church, I could talk for it for days and days and days. Can you tell I love God's house? Love God's house. So look at the scripture we're going to turn to tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. The title of my message tonight is, What's my example? What is my example? What kind of example am I living? And let me just give you some background into this book of Timothy. The primary purpose of this epistle, a writing of Paul, is to encourage Timothy in the difficult task of dealing with wrong teaching. There's a lot of wrong teaching out there. Paul is educating him. He's showing him. He's instructing him, but he's also helping him deal with practical problems. Come on. The gospel is not just about the spiritual. It's also about the practical. Too many people are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. There's got to be a connection between the two. And he's addressing these issues, if you want to say it that way, with Timothy. He's instructing him of the pitfalls of those who are teaching wrong doctrines. But he's also showing him the practical problems that he can bring a solution to. All the problems that the church was facing at that time. The persecution, the unrest, just everything that was going on at that time. But then he also wants to instruct him how to live. So here's the problems and here's the issues, but here's the answer. Here's the solution. I'm glad God's word doesn't just identify a problem. It gives me the answer. It doesn't just identify a problem. And even I'll go one further than that. God doesn't ask us to do anything that it's not within our power to be able to accomplish and do. We can surrender and give our lives to God and everything that God instructs us. So here's Paul. He's instructing Timothy. Here's how you live. Here's what you need to do. And here's one of the instructions that he gives to Timothy. And this is what he says to him. 1 Timothy 4.12. He says, let no one despise your youth. That word despise means look down upon, kind of frown upon, kind of turn an eye against and say, man, who do you think you are? You're just this. You're just that. For Timothy, that was his thing. Age was his thing. Paul's addressing it. Don't let anyone look down on your age. It was an age thing for Timothy. But I wonder what your thing maybe is tonight. Maybe you're a single mother. Don't let anyone despise you, look down on you because you're a single mother. You're a single parent. Maybe today you're going through financial difficulties. Don't let people look down on you because you're not where you need to be financially. We're changing that. We're praying. We're asking God to do that. Perhaps there's maybe addiction, strongholds, things in your life that maybe you're still battling with and you're going through. Don't allow the enemy, don't allow other people to look down on you, to begin to say, well, God can never use you. There's no hope for you. Can you see what's happening in this passage here? Again, to Timothy, it was his age. He was a young man. Don't worry about that. What is your thing? Don't worry about it. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anger. Anxiety, maybe it's unforgiveness. Don't let that thing rob you from being the man and the woman that God wants you to be. You can rise above those things and you can make it through. Come on, I'm preaching tonight better than you're responding. I'm trying to help you wherever you're at, whatever your thing is, God through Paul is instructing and saying to you tonight, don't let that be a hindrance for your walk with God. Because God can take that and he can use it for his glory. God can take the tests and produce a testimony. Come on now. God can take the trials and turn them around and they can be a great witness for him. 
So anything that you may say tonight could discredit me from serving God. I just want to tell you right now, there's nothing that will discredit you from being used by God if you surrender and say, God, I give you my life. So every one of you is accepted. The New Living Translation says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're a single parent. You're this, you're that, you've made mistakes. Don't let anyone, and I know I'm kind of driving this in, but I want you to grab this today. So read on, but he says, but be an example. So push through that thing, whatever it is, and be an example. Represent Christ, is what he's saying. Represent the cause of Christ. And here's who we're to do it to. He says to the believers, what he's meaning is represent to everyone who you come in contact with. We come in contact with a lot of people, some by chance, some by purpose. We meet a lot of people, but God is saying, no matter who we are, we can be an example to them. We can touch their world. We can make a difference in their world. I pray every day that I'll come in contact with someone and I'll change their world. Not because I'm special, but because he's special. And I want to be used by God. I can go to a grocery store and go through the line and say two words to someone, God bless, and I can believe that God will touch their life and change their life. Come on, we can impact people by being an example and we're going to see how how we do that. And our world is so much bigger today because we can be an example now through our keypads and through our phones and touching people all over the world through social media. And then he lists six ways that we must be an example. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The six ways. What does he say? Be an example to those around you, to believers in what? In your Word, in your conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. In, in purity. Not impurity, but in purity. So let's talk tonight for a few minutes about those examples and ask ourselves, what's my example? What's my example? Where am I here? What do others see in me? What do others hear from me? What do others feel from me? What do others witness when I'm in their presence? What are they getting from my life? Because you're called to be an example. Come on, turn to someone around you and say, you're called to be an example. Come on, the challenge is for you. The challenge is for you. So the first thing he says, point number one is this, we've got to be an example in word. New Living Translation says, be an example in what you say. Okay, your conversations, the words which you say. Okay, and we live in a different age now, so I'm going to add something else there. Be example in word. It's not just what you say, but it's also what you can type. Different age now, but we've got to be an example. A lot of people have a brain freeze and just think that, that, that you can type curse words and you're not really cursing because you don't say things. Come on, well, it's just Facebook, so it doesn't matter if I'm negative and depressed. God says, be an example in your word. That's words, isn't it? Isn't that what people are reading? It's something that you haven't said, but yet you've said it through your hands, through your fingers. So we've got to be an example in our word. Who would shout out maybe some things tonight? What do you think it means to be an example in our words? Why is that so important? Anyone got anything? Shout it out nice and loud tonight. To encourage you? Okay, anything else? Don't all shout once. Anything? Why is it an example? Why we should be an example with our words? How important is that? What is it important for? Well, look at the scripture, Matthew 12, verse 33 through 37. And it says this. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good. Or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. So think about this. We're talking about words here. I know he's using the analogy of fruit, but we're getting to the fact that it's about our words. So look what he's saying. It's either good or it's bad. A tree is known by its fruit. We're known by the words, the fruit of our lives. Next verse goes on to say, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things for 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Read on. It says this, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. Notice this, a good man should bring forth good things. Out of what? Out of a good heart, a heart that's serving God. Good words could come, should come forth, but an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart, is what it means, will bring forth evil things. Next verse. And it says, but I say unto you, whenever Jesus says something, you better stop and see what he's saying. I can say some things and if you don't listen, you're maybe not going to miss a whole lot. But if you miss what Jesus says to you, you are missing everything. Jesus says, but I say to you, look at this, for even every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Last verse says this, look, for by your words, notice he used fruit, but now he's bringing it around to what the picture he was trying to paint. He says, for by your words, you will either be justified. You will either represent Christ. You'll be in good standing with Christ. You'll be the example that God wants you to be. Or by your words, you will be condemned. You can either bring life to yourself or you can bring condemnation by the words that you speak. God says, I want you to be an example in your words. I think it's very interesting in verse 36 that he talks about idle words. There's some things that we can say that aren't really negative, but they're not really positive. It's not really gossip. It's not really this. It's not. We can justify those things and say they're kind of harmless words. I'm just venting. I'm getting it off my chest. I'm just saying it to a friend. But you've got to be very careful because even those things that we can think aren't dangerous, aren't a problem, aren't an issue because we're just telling them to someone close. He says even with those idle words, you're going to have to one day stand and give an account for every one that you've spoken. Wow. So we've got to watch the words that come out of our mouths. How many would agree with that? Because our words can either be constructive or they can be destructive. We can build or we can tear down with our words. We can build or tear down our lives, but unfortunately our words usually tear down other people's lives more than ourselves. I wonder if you've listened to yourself lately. Have you listened to your conversations lately? Have you listened to what's come out of your mouth? Have you looked on social media to see the things that you're posting? I mean, have you really stopped to look and see the example of what you have said and how it is coming across? Because we're called to be an example with our words, yet we waste so many. My God, we waste so many words. We say so many words that we should never say. Come on. And we use our words all for the wrong reasons. What's the saying out there? The saying goes like this. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing at all. We would do well to even live by that, wouldn't we? Because we sure don't have a lot of good to say, but we sure have a lot of people that we want to say it to. Come on, if we don't have anything good to say, it doesn't matter if everyone else is talking about it. It doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it. You weren't called to be everyone else. God called you to be you. God called you to be the person that he made you to be. So it doesn't matter if everyone else, what's the rule usually we say if everyone else is doing it? It's probably something you don't need to do. It's a pretty good rule to live by. If everyone else is doing it, then there's probably not where you need to be as a child of God. So if you don't have anything good to say, say nothing. Did you know the Bible actually has that thought in it too? Look what it says in Colossians 4 verse 6. It says these words, let your speech always be what? Graced. Let your, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And I want to add in parentheses, or not answer. Every text, every conversation, everything doesn't always need a response. 
Sometimes the best things we can do is not to respond. I just heard a message today and it talked about if you, if you, how did it say? It said if you, a fool is speaking and you basically paraphrase, if you respond to that fool, then you are making yourself foolish too and you are giving light and fuel to what they've said. You don't reply to a fool, the Bible says, in his folly. You don't correct, you just don't do that. But you've got to watch, you've got to let your speech always be with grace. New Lism Translation says, let your conversations be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. Isn't that cool? Let them be gracious and let them be effective. Literally what he's saying is, you give respect to other people by the way you handle your mouth and what you say. And people will hopefully give you the same respect back. Whether they do or not, don't worry about it. It's still your responsibility to do the God thing, which is always the right thing. Come on, words. Our words are so important. Something about words is you can never take them back. Once you've spoken them, have you ever tried to grab them and throw them back in your mouth? Have you ever said, man, I wished I never said that? You know, a Chinese proverb says this, engage brain before opening mouth. Take notes with that. That's good. Engage your brain before opening your mouth. can really help you out a lot. Just take a breath. Just consider it. Just think about it before you post it, before you put it out there. Just take a moment just to consider these things before we're so quick to speak because we cannot take them back when spoken. Proverbs 29.11 says this, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Come on, I wonder today if you're a fool or if you're a wise. Well, hopefully we're all wise. We like to think we're wise. But if we're venting our feelings, idle words perhaps, we're still going to have to give an account for them. Come on, can someone say, oh my, help me, ouch, just say something in the house. Okay, so what is your example? And you can control your math. Every one of you, just close your math can't say a word while your mouth's closed. The devil doesn't open your mouth and no one else opens your mouth. You have control over your mouth that you would open it and you would say, that, oh, they made me. They did not make you whatsoever. They perhaps suggested that you would say that, but they cannot make you say that. You've got control over your mouth. If there's a problem and there's times, just bite that lip and keep that mouth shut. Be the example by what you say. So important. Okay? Number two, be an example in our conduct. Say with me, in conduct. In our conduct. That's by the actions of our life. Are you with me with that? Okay? So it's so important. How many would agree tonight that my actions and the way I live is really important? That I need to get it right because people are watching me. Look what it says in 1 Peter 1 verse 15. We're going to give you a lot of scriptures tonight. Hope you're taking notes. 1 Peter 1 15 says this, but as he who called you is holy, you almost, you also be holy in your conduct. Again, God's not asking us to do something that's impossible. He's saying, I'm, I'm holy. It means that I'll never do wrong. Now we're not going to be like God. We're going to do things that are wrong. But what God is telling us is he has made it possible for the wrong in our lives to become less and less and for him to become more and more. And he wants our conduct to be changing. If your conduct is not changing and the actions of your life are not better, then you need to reevaluate your relationship with God. Because a holy God wants to work within your life to make you more holy to make you more presentable. I love this scripture too. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12 says this, But our boasting is in this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. What is his testimony? He said, and here I am. I conducted ourselves. We conducted ourselves in the world with simplicity. It wasn't hard. We just lived out the life and we had sincerity in our lives. We weren't fake with what we, we weren't hypocrites is what he's saying. What we said, we did. What we did, we said. We weren't hiding anything. We were just living out the life. 
So I wonder today what people would see from your life if your life was put on mute. If we muted your life right now, I wonder the example that they would see. The example from your life by the actions of your life should be the godly, same godly example as if they were hearing you as well as seeing you. Come on, just by our actions, they should be able to see that. Just even the practical things. You know, we talk about this a lot. Let me give you some practical actions because we can get so super spiritual for things. Practical conduct, actions of life. That is this, show up for work on time. Come on, what a great testimony to be there on time. When you've got an hour for lunch, take an hour for lunch. Don't take an hour and five, don't take an hour and ten. Don't clock in late, don't clock in and then go to the restroom and then go. That's on your break time. Come on, set the right example. Come on, put your phone down while you're at work. When you're on the boss's time, give him his time because you are robbing from them if you are doing other things that are not part of your job description. What about this one? Are you ready? Put your shopping cart back. Come on, that's a conduct thing. Come on, I'm tired of not being able to get in spaces at Walmart because lazy people don't want to put their shopping carts back. And if you really want to be a real Christian, grab two or three more on your way to put yours back and you'll be able to find them. Huh? Here's another practical thing. Are you ready? Be the same person wherever you're at. In your conduct and in your life. In Matthew chapter 5, we read the passage that God calls us to be salt, light and a city that's set on a hill. But notice how he brings it all to conclusion. In Matthew 5 verse 16, he says this. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Your conduct, the example of your life. Not the pastor, not your parents, your life. That they would see the example of your life. They would see your good works, your conduct, your action. And here's the thought. Are you ready? And as the result of your good works, guess what happens? Read on. They will glorify your Father in heaven. So as a result of your example, they'll see God. They'll see his greatness. They'll see his forgiveness. They'll see his grace. They'll see his mercy. And what? They'll begin to praise God and realize that he loves them too. There is nothing greater that brings a greater glory to God than what? A soul that is saved. There is no nothing that causes celebration in heaven like one soul that comes to know Christ. So if there's going to be glory in heaven, what does it come by? People being saved. How do they get saved? By our light shining and them seeing the works that we do in our lives. The good things, taking care of things, even things that we think no one else is watching. Remember, God is watching. He's the one that keeps the books. We know this statement, but it's a good one. You may be the only Bible someone may ever read. You may be the only Bible someone may read. And here's in parentheses I put, what gospel are they reading? Capital G or small g? Because if it's his gospel, that's capital G. If it's small g, that's you and I. And a small g gospel will never change a life. It's only a capital G gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ that's going to change a life. So what about your conduct? What example are you? Got to move along. Number three, are you ready? In love. In your love. I, I wrote down, thinking about love. Love is really my response to other people. It's the way I respond to other people. Uh, and that's what the thought that I want to bring. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love chapter. Come on, say that with me, the love chapter. I'm just going to read the first two verses, and I want this to really sink into you tonight. Are you ready? It says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm just an annoying noise. If I don't have love, I can have the most eloquent speech. I can speak like an angel. I can have an angelic voice. Ah. The Bible says if I don't have love, I'm a noise. Absolute noise. Read on verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all ministries. Now these are spiritual gifts that God has to give to us. 
So he says, even though I can be super spiritual and I can have everything that God wants me to have in my life, I can have all the knowledge, I can have all the faith so that I could speak to these mountains and they would be removed. I mean, that's powerful stuff right there. That's things that we would hope of in our lives and dream of having in our lives. But he says, if you have all of that, but if I don't have love, notice what he says, I am nothing. You are nothing. So what does he just say? Without love, you're an annoying noise and you are good for nothing. Come on. And that's definitely not good. And we know it's definitely not God. Amen. So love is vital for our lives because love is also that which identifies us to the world as Christians or as children of God. John 13 verse 35, by all this men will know that you are my disciples if you have love or by the love that you have for one another. How will people know that you're different to the person around them by the love that you have? Got to be an example in love. And you cannot give love if you haven't discovered love. We love because he loved us. That's why we can love other people because he loved us. The the vision statement of our church is life starts, love happens, purpose is revealed. Life starts when we get saved, but then love happens. Because it begins to happen not only in our life, but happens through our life. Because we experience love and now love is an experience that comes out of each one of us. John 15 verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. How? How am I to love other people? In the same love that I've given to you. Wow. God, I've got a long way to go in love. Anyone with me on that? Got a long way to go, but I want to be... An example, Jensen Franklin preached a whole message and here was the title of his message. You ready? An incredible message. It was this, love like you've never been hurt. Love like you've never been hurt. Think if we came to a place where we loved like we'd never been hurt. That's what God wants us to do. But we get hurt so many times, so what do we do? We take back love, we don't give so much, we don't trust people, we don't... Hey, we've got to start loving again like we've never been hurt. We've got to start giving that love out to everyone around us. Okay? So what do we talk about? Word? We talked about what? Conduct? We talked about love. So what number are we on? Number four. Say with me, in spirit. In spirit. Some translations actually miss this out. New Living Translation skips over this one. It just actually gives you five instead of six. But I want to say it this way. In spirit, I want to use this thought when it comes to spirit. I want it to be in reference to your attitude. To your attitude. What do we say about people? When someone is upbeat, someone's happy, someone's jolly, everything's good. What do we say? They have a good good spirit. It's a good spirit. What do we sometimes have to say to our kids? Man, you've got a bad attitude. You've just got a bad spirit. You need to change your attitude. You need to change your spirit. So I want to talk about being an example with a good attitude. Having a godly attitude in our lives. I know spirit can also refer to the fact that when God created man, he put his spirit inside of him that deals with the spirit man, that deals with the life that God puts inside of us. I know that, but we're going to talk about that with the next one, faith, in a few moments. But I want to talk about the importance of possessing a good attitude. Look what Proverbs eighteen fourteen says, giving you a lot of scripture tonight. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? Notice this, having a right attitude, having a godly spirit, even when I'm sick, even when things are going bad and things aren't what I want them to be, what does it say? It's going to sustain me. It's going to keep me. You know what I tell so many people in a hospital room or when they get bad news? You know what I tell them? Don't let the enemy rob your spirit. Keep your spirit alive. Keep your spirit up. Come on, keep praising God. Keep having a good attitude. Why? Because of verses like this. It's going to sustain you. It's going to bring you through. It's going to make you help help yourself through that. But what does it say? But who can bear a broken spirit? In other words, what hope is there for a broken spirit? It's not good. It's not good. 
You've got to have a great spirit. I love Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. It says, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. That speaks of having an excellent spirit. That speaks of having a great attitude. Whatever the boss asks you to do, don't grumble and don't complain. Be an example in your spirit and your attitude. Yes, sir, how do you want me to do it? I'll do it. Just do it. Stop asking questions because you weren't the one who was is paid to ask the questions. You are paid to produce the answer. So do it, do it, do it. Because he says there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. You've got it right now. This is your chance right now to make it count. Come on, I can't save people when I'm dead. I, I can't change my life when I'm gone. There's nothing in the grave that's going to sustain my life. It's what I'm doing right now is going to determine my future. And what I have in store for my life. So be an example with your spirit, with your attitude. Because I'm telling you, your attitude will promote you. Because good attitude is attractive. Have you ever been around someone with a great attitude? It's really attractive, isn't it? Draws you to them. And you come away saying, wow, they're awesome. Come on, have a good attitude. Nearly done. Number five. Be an example in faith. Come on, say with me, my relationship with Christ. You've got to have one. Come on, you've got to have one. You've got to have one because it all begins or ends with relationship. It begins when you have it and it ends if you don't have it. It all begins and ends at relationship. So important. How many would agree with me tonight? It's so important that I've got a faith relationship with God in my life. That I'm an example with my faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Notice what's capitalized and what's not. Capitalized is God. What's not capitalized is you. Don't get confused in this. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Capitalize God. For He, me, you, who comes to God, must believe that what? He is. He is, is the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament I am. When Moses was in the wilderness, he said, who shall I say sent me? He says, I am. What does it mean? I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your way maker. I am everything you need. That's the I am of the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament equivalent. You ready? He is. What? He is my provider. He is my healer. He is my restorer. He is everything. So what have we got to do? We've got to believe that he is those things. In order to believe that he is those things, we discovered Sunday, it's not just a belief, it's a knowing. It's a knowledge that needs to take place in our life. And what happens that when we believe that he is that, we're in relationship with him, guess what he does? He's a rewarder. He rewards those who diligently seek him, not who are half-hearted, but those who really go after him. People are watching your relationship with God. Have you ever noticed? Just do one thing wrong and what they say, I thought you were a Christian. Don't give you any praise for the good you do, but they're quick to jump on the one bad thing that you didn't do. I thought you were a Christian. Here's your answer. You ready? I am, but I'm not perfect. But God's still working with me. And God's still changing me. And I'm sorry for that thing because I was wrong in doing that. And I'm sorry. And I'll repent of that. But you know what? I'm moving on. Because that's what God has for me. But people are watching your relationship with God. Revelations 3 Verse 15 and 16 says this, I know your works. He's speaking of a church. He's speaking of a group of people who have done great things, awesome things, accomplished many great things. He said, I've seen it all. But he says, here's what else I've seen. He says, you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. Notice what he was saying. I would rather you be cold or hot. Because he says this, verse 16, so then because you are Lukewarm and neither cold or hot, God says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Faith relationship with God is pretty important because if I don't have it right, I'm going to be vomit in the mouth of God. I want to be used of God. I don't want to be hurled of God. Come on. I want to be used by God. So what he's saying here is you're either in or you're out. Come on, you're either up or you're down. You're either hot or you're cold. A double life ain't going to buy it anymore because if you're down the line, God says, I'm drawing the line and you're out. 
And really understand this. Of course, God is not saying he wishes you were ice cold and that you were away from him. But what God is saying is this. He would rather you be in that state than someone who's a wishy-washy Christian who's only a Sunday Christian and not representing the cause. Why? Because you're giving the Christian name a bad name. You're giving them a bad rap. Okay? So it's so important to be an example. His example in our faith, in our relationship. The number one reason why people aren't in church is because of us. Number one reason people are not in church is because of the lack of example in our faith and in our relationship. Because they say, if that's what church is all about, then I don't want to be a part of that. Just heard from someone today, a lady is not saved and her husband's been trying to get her saved. And she said today, I heard about it today. She said, if that's what Christianity is and he's been getting close to the Lord, he's been getting meaner and meaner to me at home. So I'm definitely not going to come to that church and be a part of that. Got to be an example in your faith. Come on, it's more than just carrying around a Bible. It's more than just saying, glory, hallelujah, brother. It's more than all those things. Relationships should not have to be told. It should be seen. It should be seen in our lives. It should be seen. And last but not least, in purity. I looked up the word purity in the dictionary and it says freedom from anything impure. It means clearness and cleanness. And really when we talk about purity... There's a lot of a broad spectrum of what we can cover under purity. And really a lot of the things we've already addressed in our words, just having a pure mouth and a holy mouth, because our mouths many times can be filthy. And that's not an example to Christ. Well, God, I've been praising God all day. No, you haven't. You've been taking God's name in vain all day. It's a big difference, big difference. But for a sake of time tonight, I want to pinpoint just one area that I believe that we need to be pure in, and that is this, sexual purity. Sexual purity. Because to me, when we talk about purity, that's the first place where my mind goes in reference to the thought of being sexually pure. I want to read a scripture to you tonight from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15 through 18. And I want you to listen to this and listen really good tonight to this. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ? Shall I then take my body, that which is of God? And shall I join them or make them a member of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not. New Living Translation says, I would never do that. Verse 16, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one in body with her, speaking of a sexual relationship outside of marriage. It's saying that then we are joined to that person. It says, for the two, he says, shall become one flesh, in reference to marriage, two becoming one, but we've now done it outside of the boundaries of marriage, and we've done it now in a realm of lust, and not of God. Verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is of one spirit with him. He's making reference to the relationship that we are to have with God, being married to Christ in the same regards that we need to be married to those that we are sexually involved with. Verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. New Living Translation says, run from sexual sin. Every sin that a man does is outside of his body, but he who commits, commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. New Living Translation says, No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I want to tonight read it from the Message Bible. Are you ready? Listen to this. What a picture it paints. It says, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body, as God's body. Your body was created with the same dignity as God's. Therefore, would you take the master's body or God off to a whorehouse? Would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. 
Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As it is written in Scripture, the two shall become one. And since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. Here he's talking about outside of marriage. It can never produce one, but it's just going to leave you lonely. It's going to leave you disillusioned. It's going to leave you just hurt and broken. It says this, there is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God, given and God-molded love, for being in love with one another. That says it all really, doesn't it? And if we would only just listen to God's instructions, because here's how the equation works out. Are you ready? If we're obedient to God, it equals blessing from God. If we're disobedient to God, it definitely doesn't mean the blessing of God, but we pronounce a curse or we bring judgment and correction upon ourselves. And we've got to be an example. It doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it. I want to tell you something right now. If someone loves you, they will respect your decision for purity. If someone doesn't respect that, then that's not the person that you need to make the commitment to for your rest of your life. Because in giving yourself to get, you will always lose out. Let me say that one more time. To give yourself to get someone's love, you're always going to lose out. We just read that you're going to be left lonely, going to be left empty. So be an example. Virginity or being a virgin is not a bad word. In fact, at marriage, everyone wants it. Come on, they do. Be an example with your life. Be an example. So let me close all this tonight, okay? No matter who you are, he says, don't let anyone despise or look down. In Timothy's case, it was his youth, his age. He says, don't let anyone look down on what you're at. Why? Because you are called to be an example in your word, your conduct, your love, your spirit, your faith, and in your purity. Come on, what example are you? Stand to your feet with me tonight. I pray you got something from that tonight. Looking forward to Sunday. I'm actually going to steal the ladies' Bible study. We're going to talk about Gideon on Sunday morning. We're going to be talking about get out of that hole. Come on, turn to your neighbor and we're going to preach about get out of that hole. Get out of that hole. Could change by Sunday, so just be back just in case. But I wonder tonight, come on. It's time to be an example, isn't it? Come on, who wants to be an example for Christ? Come on, that means my words are going to have to change. Wave at me. Come on. That means my words are going to change. Come on, keep those hands up. It means my conduct's got to change. Anyone with me? Come on. Come on, it means I've got to love a whole lot more. Just got to work on that. What else are we working on? Got to have the right attitude, right spirit. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starts right now. Woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spirit fingers. Woo. Have the right attitude, right spirit. What was the next one? Faith. Faith. Have a proper relationship. Come on, wave at me. Come on, want to have a relationship with God. What was the last time? Have a pure life. Pure life. Pure thoughts. Pure life. Pure mouth. Come on, just have a pure life. Come on, anyone with me? Come on, just wave at me. Come on, I feel you, Pastor. Come on, there you are. We want to be the example that God wants us to be. But listen, it doesn't just count in here. It has to count out there. It's not about, oh, yeah, 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 me, 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 me. It's about taking it to the streets. And that's why every time you walk through the doors as you leave this church, you're going to read those words, now it's my time. Why? It's my time to take what I've learned in here and take it out there. It's my time to touch someone else because my life has been touched right now. So my time is to touch other people. And I just want to pray for every one of you tonight that we'd be that example. Can we do something? Let's just join hands all over this place. Can we do that? Just join hands with people around you. Let's not have anyone on their own tonight. Let's just make sure everyone's included tonight. And if you can't get everyone, just break off so everyone's done somehow and everyone's there. There you go. There you go. Cody's right there. There you go. Join it in. I like that. 
Come on, we're just going to pray that God would help those around us. And maybe tonight you don't know God. Maybe your life is not right with God. And that's where the example has to start. Because you can have all the right words and you can have all the right actions, but if your heart's not right, you're not going to see sustained results. It's only going to be a temporary fix. And God didn't die on a cross for us to have a temporary fix. God died on a cross for us to have a transformed life. And if that's you tonight, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray that God... And I just love everyone in this place to repeat this prayer with me. And then I'm just going to pray for you to be the example. But if that's you tonight, as we pray this prayer, just pray it from your heart. And make it real with God. Are you ready, dear Heavenly Father? I thank you tonight that you love me. I mean, God, you really love me. Despite my failures, my mistakes, you love me so much. And I thank you, God. And God, I give my life to you. And I ask you to change me and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep holding hands. In the name of Jesus, we pray for everyone. We pray, God, right now that you would help us to be the example that you've called us to be. God, forgive me for the wrong words. Forgive me for the things I've said and the things I've typed. Just the damage that I've done with my words and my mouth. God, just forgive me for that. God, I pray that I'd be an example in my conduct. God, just forgive me for the wrong actions. and the thing. God, I can't go back and change those things. But I can learn from my mistakes. And I can be different next time and every other time. And help me to be that. God, I pray that, God, you would help me, God, in just every aspect and every part of my life. God, I pray that you would truly help me in love, to be more loving, to be more responsive, because if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm just a noise. And, God, you've given me love, and it's now my time to share love with other people. God, help me to have the right attitude. God, give me an attitude adjustment right now. God, just slap me upside the head, and God, set me back straight. Because I need an adjustment tonight, God. Come on, I've got to have a right attitude because I've got to be an example because people are dying and going to hell because of my bad spirit and I've got to get this right because my selfishness can be costing someone their eternity. And God, help us with that. God, help us with our faith. God, I want to be an example with my walk. I want my walk to grow. I want it to build. I want to be, God, a witness for you wherever I go. And God, I pray in my purity that I would have a pure thoughts, I'd have a pure mind, that my words would be pure, that my life would be pure, that sexual immorality, God, I would push away from me. Even if other, everyone else is doing it, God, I don't have to do that. And God, I pray that you would help us to be truly the example that you've called us to be. Why? Because God, we're tired of being a hypocrite. We're tired of saying one thing, but yet living completely another way. And God, we pray that you would truly help us in every way. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you high five three people just before you leave and tell them, come on, be the example. Be the example. Be the example. Hey, see you on Sunday. Tell everyone, let's be back in the house. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.